0: Welcome to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Today is Episode 5, Deck Building Games. On today's show, we'll talk about some games that we've played recently. We will review Snowdonia Deluxe Master Set, get into a board game topic in which today's topic is Buyer's Remorse. Then we'll jump into our top three deck-building games, and cap off the show with our expectations of Carnival of Monsters. We're recording on Saturday, August 31st, 2019, at Demolition Games. Demolition is located at 3300 South and 85 West. If you're in the area, we highly suggest that you come down for some great deals. By the way, that's in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we are your hosts... I'm Jacob.
1: Justine.
2: I'm Matt.
0: Something quite terrible has happened to me recently, and I want to discuss it on the show. Eagle Griffin has announced that they're coming out with Kanban EV, and I just bought in the driver's edition. Uh Did you guys hear about this? Yes. EV is electric vehicles, but it's a new edition of Kanban from Eagle Griffin. So, Eagle, so if you haven't heard of Kanban, it's a heavier Euro game by Le, Patal Asurda. And he's got several of these games that Eagle Griffin has produced, like um, Venus and Lisboa. I have all those. And I bought the driver's edition, and now they're coming out with the Eagle Griffin edition of Kanban. And How it's much a
3: tra- tragedy. It's on Kickstarter, right? Yeah, it is on Kickstarter. How much and is I, it going for? I didn't look it
0: up. I would imagine...
1: Probably a fair amount. I mean bucks? his game's yeah, about a hundred yeah. bucks is pretty yeah. standard for I, I kickstarted problem. Escape Seven. Line it was
2: a, about a hundred. Maybe a little it was a little more of a shipping. Um what is changing gameplay
0: wise? So they're adding electric cars and they're changing something that was supposedly fiddly. I don't know. I haven't played it yet, is the thing. <laughs> but like this is probably isn't a big deal to you, right? We were talking about it earlier and you're like I have the copy of it's fine. Right. I'm yeah. gonna keep playing it. No
2: one's gonna make you buy it, Brandon. I know. And
0: <laughs> I should be including myself, but it's, it's maybe it'll so... just sell you the box for cheaper. You yeah, can can I, the... <laughs> <laughs> I have this like completionist in me that's like screaming like buy it, but then like everything rational is like you already have the game, who cares? And you haven't even played it yet, so
2: Yeah. Um, there the end game is fiddly in a certain way. I've played the game like six times and I'm still not sure. Which of the major final scorings happen, depending on which end game condition is met um and like when we get to use our chairs and what's cost a chair. Oh, okay. So it could use some cleaning up, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Does it need a whole outright expansion a year after a very late new edition came out? I don't know. I don't it's want to not reward even, him.
1: It's not even an expansion, though. It's a whole brand new, like it's, you buy it and right. you get the addition, whole thing. It's like thing. a, it's an like an a addition, third edition,
0: yeah. yeah. Probably not. It's probably not necessary for them to come out. Except to get money. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes forget that these board game companies are not these huge corporations. They're these mm-hmm. small, independent companies. So, good. They should get money. Yeah, the Tall games should get more popular. So, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm just not fine with them coming out with it so soon. I'm not fine with the fact that I bought the second edition and didn't wait for this one. But, what are you going to do? We played some games... Uh, recently.
3: Mm-hmm. still not been able to find it on Kickstarter. I don't know. I'm probably entering the wrong search terms. Maybe they just announced it. I bet they just oh, announced yeah. it and hasn't like oh, launched yet. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. yeah, they probably just announced that that's something that they were doing.
3: It will cost an unspecified number of dollars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so this week I managed to play um, a game that's... I don't know how popular it is. I don't think it's very popular, but I think it's great. And I think it's pretty popular in our group. And that's The Bloody Inn. Um, but I managed to play it, um, just two player with Matt and I. And the thing that struck me and why I want to talk about this is like that there's that narrative that you, um, the narrative you put together in your head while you play these board games. Mm -hmm. Because that one is a game where you can set up these fun situations and these narratives in your head. So in the Bloody Inn, basically you're an inn owner. And you're all competing to make the most money by killing off your guests. You're going to kill them off and steal them. But you have to hide the bodies before the police come because the police take your money. Apparently in this universe you only get fined for murdering people. You don't get put in jail. <laughs> um, but we got into this situation where Matt couldn't bury any of his bodies so his only solution was to kill the police officers that kept coming. Right. So he just kept like getting piles of bodies and I think by the time he conceded it was a two player game so he just conceded he had like five bodies piled up oh, that man. he had nowhere to bury <laughs> because I was like yeah I'm not by- or building anything for you to put these bodies under yeah, this is game, your problem
0: yeah you can use other people's uh caskets
1: yeah annexes
0: yeah to to bury your your, your bodies but you split the points
1: uh huh
2: but it's sometimes very useful to you Right, I had so many bottles, p- bodies piling yeah. up. I wasn't going to bury them without her cooperation. Um, and then, so good game. Just we just kept
1: like you know, a cop would come. I'm like, well, I'm not killing it. So who won? <laughs> I did.
2: That's interesting. So you're how come you didn't stop killing people? Uh, I just had to concede. I had so many bodies.
1: was because you had to keep killing. Oh, because also... right, uh, I had to keep killing oh, the cops. Right, I had to keep
2: killing the cops. I just <laughs> had my whole turn killing cop number one, killing cop number two. Oh man, but then they they
0: in the suffered. end. In the end, they just do a cop sweep, no matter if cops have showed up or not, right?
1: No, if you kill uh, them, they don't far. do a cop sweep. But no, at the, the very
2: end,
0: end at the oh, very end of the yeah. game, they we
2: just, didn't... like, sweep through and... We didn't get that far. Because the other problem is you have to pay salaries the you whole time. You didn't get that far. you stopped playing?
0: Yeah, I yeah. just said you win.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just this funny picture in my head of, like, you know, I'm the calm, cool, collected in-owner that's, you know, I've murdered a couple people, I've got my my money, and I'm sitting there and he's over there like, oh no!
2: hearing knocks on the door answering with a knife. Reminds me of like H.H. H. Holmes, the board
0: game. Yeah. You guys know the story of H.H. H. Holmes? Uh, it's like... Yeah, it's
3: the Devil in the White City. Was that the same guy? Yeah,
0: yeah. Where he like had a hotel and he was housing people and killing people. The real story is awful. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah. game is fantastic. Um, I think
3: that's a very underrated game. I really like Bloody and I like board like games it. where they set up this kind of intriguing portrait, because like, a lot of times we play big Euro games, and it's not even clear, like you could have the most victory points, but it's like, what is even happening thematically? Because mm-hmm. so I like games that have this thing where it's like, yeah, I had to murder this guy, and he showed up, and then the cops showed up, and I had to kill and murder the cops too, Yeah, and then I lost because I couldn't hide all the bodies. Like,
0: It's very rare that a strategy game will also tell a story uh-huh. while you're and playing. And it does
1: tell a story. Yeah. And then if you add in the expansion, we don't have it, but one of our friends does, it adds even more to the story. It adds, like, snow piles that you can, if the cops are going to sweep your in, you can, like, run out and bury the, oh, the like body under it. Yeah.
3: That's neat. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about theme. It's like, how important is theme? Well, and like, mm-hmm. a lot of times, if the mechanics embody the theme, it can like bump up a game. Because I mean, this game doesn't sound like it be half as satisfying if these oh. were no. uh, mechanics, or they're just kind of like, you know, trading in the Mediterranean or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or that. if it was
0: just like cards, right? Like, just yeah. imagine cards with like numbers and special abilities on them with no art, no theme. Like, mm-hmm. it, the the mechanics are good in it, but like, really the theme, yeah, you're right.
1: The theme is like what brings pulls it up. The game up. Yeah.
0: Very high. That's interesting, yeah. Maybe I care about theme more than I think.
1: And it's a great game for this season. I think the Halloween season starts as soon as school starts, so (laughs) 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 it goes together. So for me it's a great game for this season. Maybe October for most people though. Mm
3: -hmm. So I was actually been two weeks of board games in between us. Um although not as more many board games as I'd like to play. Um the game that's really been on my game my mind and the game that I, I thought about purchasing is a game called Potemkin Empire, or is it Potemkin? Mm. I played it once, and it had yeah, Potemkin in the I believe it's Potemkin Empire. It. Anyways, um, and this game is by uh, Indie Cards and Games, what have you. It's the same one that does the the uh, coup and um, the resistance games and things along that nature. And uh, one of our people in a group had, I guess, he had kickstarted it. Um, and it's basically a game where you're setting up different villages, uh, buildings in front of you. And the cards are actually interesting because instead of having a card that lays flat down, they're kind of folded in half so they kind of prop up. So you have like these different buildings right in front of you. So it feels like you're building your little uh, empire in front of you. Um, and uh, and then as some of you surmised by the name uh, the Potemkin, because the Pertempkin village was the famous village in Russia uh, where they made the houses. They wanted to make it so they had a grand village. So they made these houses so it would look really nice. But the houses were all fake and it was just made to be looked from far away to look like a real village to give the appearance of being economically prosperous. You have all these buildings and your buildings can be either real or fake. Um, and they do different things. And then you have a way, if you have fake buildings, they'll give you points. Um, but you can also get points by, um, Picking out which of your opponent's uh, buildings are fake and different buildings will have different special abilities and are different cards involved It's really just an interesting new game And it's a new take on on social deduction and bluffing a a genre of game that I've wanted to see developed and do more interesting things and kind of uh, combine that with heavier mechanics Uh, Because a lot of games you see that have that social deduction tend to be very light and they tend to they want something a little bit more Uh, So there's a lot of growth potential for this game um, I unfortunately have only played this game once, and I think just due to us all playing, social-threatening games tend to develop a meta, so they tend to want to be played a lot of times. Um, but it was a really interesting experience. Some really odd things happened in the game, and people weren't quite sure how to adjust, and it, it created some interesting experience. Uh, this is really a game I'd like to play another half dozen times uh, to kind of get a good feel for it. Uh, did anyone here at the table play this game as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Matt have played it together. Okay. Yeah, and I agree
2: with you. It was like the fun part of Sheriff in Nottingham, but there's a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm.
0: Like a serious it's, version of it, right? Yeah. Yes.
2: It's really fun trying to call each other on bluffs. Yes. and yeah. The table talk is fun. But
0: it's not just, you can't just outright call each other. You have to build up to get spies and then use those spies to spy. I think I was the only one like trying to infiltrate your massive structure of buildings. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and nobody was trying
2: to like <laughs> shut down Matt but me. It felt like then you won, right? No, Marai won because he made all the blue cubes.
0: Oh and yeah, he went just like. Crazy there's kind resource. of a zigzag
2: thing. If you find a niche to yourself, it's good. Yeah, I was
0: trying to get points by calling people out. Like you get points by calling people out, and Matt seemed like the the, the person to do it to because he had too many structures to be real. But there's that thing of like you could pick the wrong one and it could be fake. I mean, it could be real, right? Mm-hmm. And then your guys spent. Instead of coming home to you. And you
2: just wasted a turn.
0: But yeah, there's many different ways to win, though. You could go resource. Like, you could build buildings that just produce a resource when you produce, and and that's going to give you points. You could build fake buildings and get points from that.
2: Yeah, the game rewards fake buildings. Yeah. So if you just build this
3: giant, giant lie, you might be okay.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty cool game, actually. It's... For what it is, I think it's, like, really good.
3: It's another game that really integrates theme and components and art really, mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. The propped-up buildings are just really, really nice. Like, they just peer this these nice little village in front of you, so you have all these buildings. And just, it, um, yeah, it's just a nice game, nice components, everything like that there. Um, so I think this would be a fun game.
0: Too much good theme integration. Matt, bring us down a notch.
2: Can <laughs> uh, ban. You started it. <laughs> um, yeah, I played Kanban this week. Uh, for the last couple weeks, we've been having just a parade of light games over here. We've played a ton of unlocks. So again, I'm mm-hmm. going to a game I've played you online. You going through unlocks?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. No, you're I'll right. Up.
2: <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I finally won for the first time ever. This game was hard for me to wrap my head around it. But I'm like finally listening to the game and it's all about efficiency. And that's they the theme is you are in a factory and there's a mean lady walking around yelling at you when you're inefficient. And I finally just embraced it and was just trying to be really careful to really plan out my turns and not have any wasted time. Her um, name's Sandra, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I and wonder she's mean. He uses her in like all of his games. I wonder
2: if I it's... didn't know Sandra was in other games. Yeah. Oh, Sandra's universe. my favorite. I'll look for mm-hmm. her. Is she, like, in Vinos getting toasted? And- uh, I don't
0: I don't. She could be. I don't think so. She's in um, Escape Plan for sure, and she was in oh, yeah. another
2: game as well.
0: But I th- maybe it's, like, he knows a Sandra. That's a real-life person. Yeah, right? or it's his daughter or something. I don't know. I, I don't say,
1: he doesn't like her very much. <laughs> oh, she's, like, mean. Well, right? in Kanban, Sandra can be really mean. Yeah. <laughs> or um, she can be sweet.
2: I decided to just ignore her, though, because she only costs you, like... Three points every other turn and if you just like do your business you can get a giant lead. Um, I've kind of already talked about it though like the end game is gets fiddly and I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll see you know there's two different end game conditions and depending on which happens first something different might happen. So maybe the new game will be better in that regard. Uh-huh. I didn't know what your game was. I was hoping it was not going to be like a,
0: some thematic ties but Vatala but, but sort of has yeah. a way of making these big heavy Euro games actually mm-hmm.
2: work thematically. Is Kanban one of them? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, you totally feel you feel like you're at a car factory. Um. I always have this underlying doubt that maybe his games are more random than we realize, that the game kind of mm-hmm. plays you and there's zero one or two decisions to make per turn you know,
4: mm-hmm.
2: even though it feels big and heavy, sometimes you go down these alleys where you have to calculate and calculate and then Oh, no, I can't do that, so I have to do this. My only other oh, thing. Yeah, I see. But they're undeniably fun, so
0: uh-huh. who cares? Yeah, yeah,
1: they're good games.
2: So I'll be the one to break
0: the thematic ties. <laughs> I played a game for the first time, if you could believe it, uh, Puerto Rico.
1: Oh, I was so hoping you would talk Ooh. about this game. So
0: I, I so the, in the beginning of my... Of getting into board games, I was like, I have to play all these modern classics, right? So I played Catan and I played um, Carcassonne, and I was like, I got to play Kalis and I got and I played El Grande. And time after time, they kind of disappointed me. Mm-hmm. Like I understood why they were good for the time that they came out and why they're important to our board gaming hobby, but I, I was like, I don't need to go back and play all these classic games. You know, I could just play the ones that are. N- the newer ones that kind of just innovate on those um, but we played so I skipped Puerto Rico and we played it last week and I kind of feel like I'm good on it I'm kind of <laughs> neutral on it like it's it, so it, So what Puerto Rico is is a role selection game you select mm-hmm. a role and you get to go first and you get a little bit of a bonus for that thing but everybody follows and plays it mm-hmm and there's a there's this timing element where you need certain things to happen at certain times but you have to rely on other players to to hopefully do the thing at the right time but they're looking at everybody's looking at everybody's situation and trying to do quite the opposite of that so everybody's kind of trying to mess each other up and i don't think i like games like that like i played race for the galaxy and i wasn't big on that and i played new frontiers and i wasn't big on that but um puerto rico I liked the best. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. It's dated. Like, it doesn't look very good, and there's a lot to read um, on all the special abilities and whatnot. But I understand why people play it over and over again. I understand why people like it. The thing is, is I, I can detach my opinion from what the actual game is. So, like, I don't like the game. That doesn't mean that I'm s- promoting that it's a bad game. I think it's yeah. a good game. I just don't like this style of game.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes total sense.
2: Well, it was number one on BGG for like four years, and it did deserve it. Uh-huh. But it was from 2008 to 2012 or something. 2001,
1: I think we decided.
2: <laughs> yeah, it yeah. came or out it's older in 2001. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but recently, I'd say like a month ago, the two expansions came out that are reverse compatible for the old game. That freshens it up. That makes more interesting decisions. I know you said you're good on it. You should maybe try it with expansions once, just so you know how it is. But it probably mm-hmm. won't radically change the way you no. play the, the game. The thing is, is I wouldn't, like, deny to play it.
0: If people wanted to play it, I wouldn't go pout in a corner. I would play it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't even be, like, bummed out. I'd be like, all right, let's try it again, you know? But, like, Race for the Galaxy,
3: I would maybe pout in the corner about. <laughs> yeah, you'd just
2: <laughs> rather stare at a wall. And yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. No, it's funny because Puerto Rico is such an old game, and it's been a very influ- influential game. Um, mm-hmm. But I think off the top of my head, I can't really think of feel like a game that sort of took Puerto Rico and then sort of like upgraded it. Um, I, uh, it's its own kind of unique thing. Yeah, I, I
0: mean, New Frontiers is just oh. really close to Puerto Rico. Like it's like really close. Okay. It, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, and is it better? I, I don't think so. I'm sure people do, but I don't think so. Like, mm-hmm. I just think it's like a little more convoluted. And It's in space, and I actually like space themes way more than I like these like farming style games. But um, but I just I thought the simplicity of, of Puerto Rico was was better, the streamline. Mm-hmm. But
2: uh, but you're right. I don't I don't know of any games that have actually made it better. Founders of Gloomhaven has its same kind of following element, Mm. and I think that's really fun. But that's because it also adds like two more major mechanisms in it. You know, like Founders of Gloomhaven is a third this game, a third this game, a third this game. And so it's Puerto Rico DNA Mm -hmm. is cool. So Puerto Rico is maybe better as an influencer. I feel like I haven't heard
3: any enthusiastic reviews of Founders of Gloomhaven. I feel like everyone rates it like a 7 out of 10. It's fine, but no one seems to be over the moon about it.
2: We were over the moon about it the first time we played it. We started trying to Mm -hmm. get out a pencil and paper and really analyze it and count how many of each thing were in the game and stuff. Oh, okay. It blew our socks off, but yeah. It we just, just haven't played just it, it since.
1: Yeah, we, I still really like it. I'd love to play it some more, but it's it's just hard to get off the table because it's a mean game. It takes a long time to play. It's fun, though. I like Founders of Gloomhaven. But yeah, I was glad to hear you talk about that Puerto Rico game. I almost talked about it for my game played this week. Um, I was in that same game. Mm-hmm. And for me, like Puerto Rico, I've been playing for... Five years, yeah, Matt's family has been playing it forever, and so we that's kind of like our family activity, and so it was really fun to get to play it with a new group of people because I play it with like the same four or five people every single time um, so you kind of get in these sort of patterns of how things go, like I think for us the for our for Matt's family and i the the beginning of the game is pretty well set out you know, you do this, I do this. The, you mm-hmm. know, the first person, the first governor does Builder and builds the small market, and that's just how it is. Um, but with a new group of people, there were, I noticed new things and was able to try different things. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Really fun. yeah,
2: mistakes make games interesting.
1: I agree.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that was our games played.
0: Now we will get into our opinions about Snowdonia. So Snedonia uh, Deluxe Master Set is an interesting game that has a lot of components and 18 modules that you can mix into it.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Changes the game very slightly from game to game. I only played four Um, and yeah, it it, it changes the game enough to where you want to know what the next one does, but it doesn't change it enough to where you have to have a huge rules teach every time. Mm-hmm. It's a worker placement game where everybody's going to set out their workers and then it's going to it's going to happen from left to right. So there's a timing element to it. And it's a train game, but it's not a route building game. But it sort of is, but you're only building from point A to point B and everybody's building it together. And you're removing debris to build tracks to get points from various locations of stations and building tracks so then you can Get you can draft cards that will give you in-game scoring, and some things aren't worth anything unless you have those in-game scoring cards.
3: Um. So yeah, I played this game once, and I probably I'm gonna have to abstain from issuing a final ruling on this one because I played it in the five-player game, and I feel like it has a very typical Euro five game experience mm. for a game that probably shouldn't go up to five players, where everything just feels a little overcrowded. It seems like it takes a little too long. Um, for those kind of things there. Uh, Matt is pointing, what were you going to say? Because you stole all the dirt in the game. That was
2: the biggest troll draw I've seen in any what game in the, the last 10 years. It was so tight because of you, sir. <laughs> I didn't
3: know dirt was gold in this game. I just it is. thought it, is. it was dirt all over the board, and I was like, that's going to be my dirt. None of you guys are getting any of
0: it. <laughs> also, I, I was working at the time, so I had to keep yeah. stepping away. Yeah. And that really bogs the game down. I think this is actually a game that could play the same time with two players as it does five, because everybody's working together to complete these these tracks. Mm-hmm. And so, five-player game, those tracks are actually going to get built faster. You know, the turns, the the rounds are going to be longer because of the player count. But in a two-player game, it's going to take longer to build the tracks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think you just had like an unfortunate experience, and you did steal all the debris but I I, I, I've, I've played it with four and five a few different times mm-hmm. i've played it four times, and I think that it when it when everybody's on board and playing man, it really cooks it really it really moves along pretty quickly mm-hmm. and My first impression of the game was that it was too it was too long for what it was, but upon other plays i didn't feel that way at all
4: mm.
1: I think it's one of those games that, like, your first game, you're going to be slow. You're going to be trying to figure it out. But after that, I mean, it it does. It cooks really good. Mm -hmm. It kind of strikes me as sort of your run-of-the-mill worker placement, though. I mean, it's got all those modules that you can add in that add, like, small things. And some of them, it sounds like, add big things. Like, it changes the theme of the game. So you add in, like, zombies and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, the worker placement mechanic, it just feels to me like a lot of the, a lot of the same games is um, where you have the the worker placement and then the timing element. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like Kanban, going back to that, where you place your workers and then you do the actions from left to right. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's a great game. Uh, you know, some things just have to be kind of run-of-the-mill and regular. I do think that adding in the... Where you're both, everybody in the game is building the same route, is really cool. I think that is a really cool innovation because I was thinking about other route building games, or not route building games, but railroad games, mm-hmm. so like Russian railroads. Mm-hmm. And we're all building different railroads. And this one we're all building together. So maybe you've been working towards, you know, opening this one station or building this one link. And somebody else does it ahead of you. That's a really fun mechanic. I really like that. Yeah, you're not
0: just blocking the spaces, but you're blocking the actual game progression, too.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so you care about the timing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The dirt cards, the the debris cards are arranged randomly, which up front is a big setup, like, time-wise. Um, I'm not sure that was worth it I liked the variability in the scenarios but since that the game takes like 25 minutes to set up I could do with just the same amount of dirt as on at all times did you guys think that added a lot that sometimes you have to do five dirt and then it's three and then four and then three No. yeah I didn't think that was necessary but I liked adding in the goats or saying oh your surveyor does this this game
0: yeah yeah I do like that um Did you like the game?
2: I quite liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like just pure worker placements. Yeah, that's not a knock to me at all. Mm -hmm. I like them to actually be clean and pure.
1: Yeah, it's not a knock to me either. It's just an observation. Like you're expecting it to be this new, innovative game. It's
0: but it's an old game. It is an old game. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that just got like a just they just threw everything into it for the Kickstarter. Um, it it is like a game that's set up. And you, and you start hearing the rules, and you go, and you start to, like, it fools you into thinking it's a heavy game, and then when you start playing, you go, it's actually a pretty simple game. I liked it a lot, and, mm-hmm. like, I kind of just want to try everything. But I, I think if he keeps bringing it, I will, I, I want to see, like, all 18 modules. I want to see that Obama uh-huh. Snowman come in, and the zombies, yeah. and the dynamite, and stuff, and see how that, how that does it. The, the components, as we talked about in the, um, expectations last week were really nice everything screen printed uh the board has two sides to it Uh, so i think it's like a nice production and it's like a fun game and i'm just willing to play all of them and if i end up playing all 18 of them maybe i'll revisit it and and tell you how i feel about it
2: yeah Uh, i want to shout out the stock or whatever it's called Part of the game, you can invest in other people. Oh, that's a I module, thought that yeah. was very fun. That module was really fun.
0: Yeah, you. So you can instead of building a station, you I could say Matt, you build this station, and I put one of my colored pieces on his little stock card, and now I'm invested in ten uh, percent of his final score. Right. And if I put in and if I let him score another thing, I could get twenty percent and up to thirty percent. I think mm-hmm. of of different players too. I could invest in Jacob. I could invest in everybody Uh and get like
2: maybe a big score from that. Yeah that was legit really fun. That was was fun. Um, But a big part of that game is the end game scoring cards. There's a short little card river and you're drafting you know one of three cards when you take a certain worker placement space and that's more than half of your score. I want to play more to see if I like that Because I think that might end up being pretty random and lucky. Mm -hmm. You know, if the cards work for you, you're gonna do well. And if they don't, they don't. Right. But I'm not willing to pass judgment yet because a lot of the cards are just different combinations of dirt and rails, and you can just get whatever. Just get dirt and rails, and you'll be fine, Mm -hmm. maybe.
0: And you, it's probably best to get them in the beginning of the game, and then right at the end of the game, I think. Yeah. Right. So you build up to get a heading, and then at the end of the game, when there's not much to do. You try to race to that spot so then you can get cards that are good for you, and that part could be really lucky too. But they added there's another module where there's another spot where you can dig through the discard pile. That's huge. That could be really good, especially at the end of the game Mm -hmm. because you can just search for the card, the exact card you need. Those cards are huge. If you don't get any of those cards, you're gonna be in last place. There's no doubt about it. Sure. You you could even like put you could build all these stations. And all these tracks and, and all get points dirt. From that. But
3: if you don't have the card. But dirt will give you nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Stations and tracks will actually give you points, but dirt will give you nothing. But having that huge dirt mound that you had and you get those, those in game dirt cards, like, yeah. that's going to be a decent score.
1: And each scoring card also gives you, like, a once per game special ability. That's right. That's good so, to I know, mean, yeah. The, the, I think there's a reason to get the cards. And yeah, I mean, there's some luck involved, but it's not the worst in the world. Yeah,
0: you tap them, and then you could have a special ability for that round, and then it's it's done for the entire game, but you could still score the card whether you do it or not.
3: That's also why the game is intimidating on first play, because you have to be evaluating these special cards that come out every turn, and then also you have this huge mess of locomotives, and so you're trying to figure out the central puzzle, and then you're trying to evaluate each one of these locomotives, And determine how that's going to affect your game plan it's just like it's a hard piece to put together yeah the first time you play yeah
0: on the second on the Uh second game you kind of know what's going to come out and like matt said like it is just a a combination of like having debris or tracks or stations like it's really just a mix of those kinds of things every once in a while you'll see something kind of funny that you'll have to read but for the most part you could just scan the carts very quickly to see if you're interested in those before the round starts
1: i totally forgotten about the locomotives where you can have, like the locomotives give you a special ability, so it lets you unlock a worker by paying a coal, but each locomotive gives you a special ability to use during the game. And I think one of the innovations for this game, I don't necessarily an innovation, but I liked it, was you can only ever have one at a time, but you mm-hmm. can switch them out. Yep. So I can have this locomotive that lets me do lay two tracks and mm-hmm. so, like, I can spend part of my game, like, building up and laying those tracks. And then I can throw that away and get a different card yeah, that Yeah, switch does it out
0: for either, like, a, like an in-game strategy yeah. or switch it out for a points card. Because there's and sometimes I, yeah. locomotives that just have points.
1: I think that's what I did. Like, the second to last turn, I was just like, mm-hmm. well, I'm done with this. And grabbed the yeah. locomotive that was worth a bunch of points.
0: And the locomotives get stranger, too. You could add in really weird
3: ones as well. Yeah, yeah, one of them was like training McTrain face. They have a lot of like weird <laughs> With things a going giant on. A puppy game. dog on it. Yeah, <laughs> like there when was you're a handed... hot
1: air balloon. Yeah.
3: yeah. Like, when you're handed your components and there's just, like, a little coffin in there, and they're like, oh, you don't use that one. That's for a special module. But you just have this coffin, and you're like, what does this coffin do? Or um, like. I think uh, Risto was
0: telling us that yeah, the no, coffin he, is just going to represent your... Um, one of those your ones, like, you're a dead like your surveyor, surveyor. Yeah, it's like and he's dead, module. and he's just, like,
3: moving through the... But it's kind of cool to just get a little coffin and be yeah. like, no, you don't uh, need that now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the game is goofy, and it doesn't take itself serious. It knows that it's not taking itself serious. And, in fact... We were told that like that some of the the misprinted cards from the past were just put in, and some cards have repeats because that's just how the game accidentally came when it first released, so they just like put in everything, including the mistakes, which is kind of <laughs> funny, yeah. yeah.
3: Now, uh, so we, the version we played for this game was the deluxe Kickstarter edition. Somebody in our group kickstarted it, paid a hundred dollars for the thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then it came. And I pro- it sounds like you guys have already—I already know the answer, might know the answer to this one—but I kind of felt like I had this huge box. I had all these components. I had this—you had this thick module book with twenty billion scenarios, 18. and I almost kind of wanted just like, what if this game you could just buy it for forty dollars at the game store and it was just the worker just the base game, game. Mm-hmm. Snowdonia. Would that be better? And maybe it's just, I don't know. I mean, to be, you could probably put this game out for easily forty dollars. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with the screen printed and the super nice stuff. Right. With, right. with base mm-hmm. components, it would be the same thing. I mean, would that shift your direction? I mean, maybe it's just me. Like, I just want like an actual just a game. I don't want these all these Kickstarter fanciness, fancy Dan, hundred dollars. Mm. I usually don't, but this game
2: specifically has like all these goats that I thought were really charming. There's a Yeti we oh, yeah. haven't played with that I think is really charming. So with this game specifically, I'm feeling it. I like it. I
0: agree with that, only because the base game itself, like it would get old. Mm-hmm. It, all of the, all of the modules is what keeps making it fresh and makes me want to play it more. If it was just the base game and I'd played it four times, mm-hmm. I'd probably be done. And yeah. probably wouldn't need to play it, at least for like an, another year or two. But, like, it wouldn't excite me to play it. I'm excited to play it to see what else, they're what, what other kind of kookiness they're going to add to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, if it was just a $40 game, like, I don't care about the, like, screen printed pieces. Like, that's not what really excites me, although it's, like, cool to see. For paying $100. You know, for,
3: yeah, I would, I would rather have the big, huge box with all the modules. The huge board is nice. Just having a huge board is, mm. is just kind of nice. I yeah,
1: like that, that yeah. Thing there. I um, agree oh. i I don't think I'd want to buy the, just the base game for forty. I mean maybe, but I'd much rather have the, the all of everything
3: yeah
4: hmm.
3: It's almost an interesting kind of take on like a legacy game where instead of like having mm-hmm. the legacy we are locked oh, in for this yep. one. You Have the different modules, and so you have these different like cakes on the game. There, yep, exactly. Uh, for this one, so you have this kind of big Euro game being turned into an experience. It is,
0: it is a legacy game, but without ripping up components mm-hmm. and being able to repopulate. And also, it over the and thing that, that makes
3: it like locked in with the same group of players, but like right, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So, thumbs up, th- thumbs down, just thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs up. up, thumbs up.
3: I'm going to say I don't feel like I get the full Snowdony experience I mean, That's It'd responsible. a violation yeah. of a professional they'd kick me out of the board gamer reviewer guild if I <laughs> <so left laughs> three, three thumbs up and a, a, question, mark. Three a question mark, mark. I, I mean my general impression is I don't feel like I'm in a big rush to play this game again but the fact that everyone at the table liked it makes me think I should probably go in and dig in to find a little mm-hmm. bit more of this one uh, the first game, I was a little overwhelmed, and I did kind of feel like it dragged a little bit due to the circumstances of just being you working at a board yeah. game and also with a five-player game, so it was kind of like it just wasn't indicative of the Snowdonia experience.
0: Fair enough. Yes. Yep, so that was our opinions of Snowdonia. Next up, our board game topic. <music> Buyer's Remorse. We've all had it before. Yes. Outside of gaming and inside of gaming. But since it's a board game show, we're going to talk about it on the inside of gaming. There's several different types of of buyer's remorse I feel that the board game hobby can offer. You can overpay for games. You can buy a game that you didn't like. You can buy components for games that you go, should I have done that? Uh, I'm wondering how many of those that we've hit.
3: I've probably hit all of them. Okay. Did you come up with this topic after you saw the new price for Wingspan when it arrived in the shop? <laughs> so that was probably in the back of my
0: mind, okay? So in the front of my mind, okay, so we're unboxing Carnival of Monsters today. Okay. Yeah. You'll see that the game is sleeved with these really nice sleeves with the back having this matte finish, mm-hmm. clear matte finish on the back, uh-huh. and it has this kind of rough surface. Uh-huh. So I purchased these card sleeves for it because it's um it's a Richard Garfield game and his other card drafting game, Bunny Kingdoms, has a stack of cards as well. And you can't stack them when you sleeve them. So I did not sleeve that game and that really bothers me because I sleeve all my games. So I thought, here's a fix. I'll get these mat backs where you can stack them and they won't slide. And I bought a pack and it worked. And I was like, cool. So I bought two more packs. And When I bought the two packs together, I noticed it was $18. And so I was like, oh... So these are nine dollars each. I paid twenty-seven dollars to sleeve a thirty-dollar game. <laughs> I almost paid as much as the game to sleeve it, and I instantly had buyers remorse from it.
3: That's uh, if why you bought like my the most games. expensive.
0: So they're Dragon Shield and the oh, four okay. Magic the Gathering to like yeah. super protector cards. Mm.
1: Um,
0: but yes, also mm-hmm. I pre-ordered. Um, wingspan, which ended up being $70 well, in shipping. Which you
3: went in the whole roller scope because you got it for $70 and the price jumped up to a th- like $1,000 online, mm-hmm. several hundreds of dollars yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you had it like, I got it for $70. How much is it for on the shelf? I think it's like 44 bucks. It's, yeah, it's like 45 bucks. Ooh. So You might actually get that.
0: I, I thought you, you didn't like the game.
3: It. For 44 bucks, I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Does it still have like the birdhouse and the yeah, eggs yeah, in it? it? Yeah,
2: yeah. <clears throat> There's no exclusive.
0: It wasn't a Kickstarter, it was just a pre order. And I pre-ordered it just like I just found it at the right time. I was like, oh, this is available for pre-order now? Cool, I'll get it. Yeah. And then I ended up getting it months in advance. But um, so with Tapestry, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to wait for it to come here. I'm fine. I've learned from my buyer's remorse that waiting six months and paying less is fine because then you have money for another game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Our, yeah we just order it from here. Yeah. That's our go-to. I think, That's how you make sure you get it.
3: I think the worst case of buyer remorse is when you buy a game, you don't play it on the shelves, and then you pull it out and read the rules, and it's like, I don't even want to play this game. It's mm-hmm. not even that you can't get a table or you're you just like, all right, why did I even buy this? Like, I mean, I'm not even excited about this game. Anymore. That probably
0: is the worst case. Although, do you mean like you buy it, you shelve it? Yeah. and then you come back to it months later and you go, I don't, want, I don't really want to play Yeah,
3: it. you read the rules. Like, you read the rules and you're just you like that. That not a game like that on your shelf? Uh, I think I, I had Madeira, which I, I went... I bought it when I was, like, it was on, on sale. I was getting some hype. And then, like, just due to work, I was just, like, spent, like, a solid, like, year and a half just, like, not playing any board games. Just life and stuff. And then I pulled it out. I was like, let's get this game. I bought this game and now it's out of print. It's going for, like, 100 bucks or something like that there. And then i read the rules and i was like this doesn't sound fun at all this sounds boring
0: i think the most painful one is when you
3: buy a game
0: bring it home read the rules and go oh maybe i made a mistake because for me i have some games on my shelf that i bought years ago and then pull them down and go yeah i'm not i like the hype train's gone yeah it it went past my station and now i don't want to bring it out but like the money i spent for it was like years ago like it's not even affecting my bank account or wallet. So like I'm uh-huh. like I'm like looking at it as like, this is kind of free money. I could just sell it and get a game right now. Yeah. Marie condo it, get rid of
1: the clutter. Yeah. Yeah. So my buyer's remorse story is we bought Pillars of the Earth. That was mine too. One of mine. And so this was like early, early on when we were just getting into the board game hobby. And we'd read about this game, Pillars of the Earth, that's based on a novel that I haven't read. Um but that it was like a, a board game, piece of board gaming history.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And we ended up buying a bunch of games used from another guy. But he happened to have Pillars of the Earth on sale for like 120 bucks, And I was like, oh, we have to get this. Like, it's a piece of board gaming history. Even if it's not the best game in the world, like, we have to get this so we can have it on our shelf.
2: We thought it was vintage. This was like our only chance. We thought it was like a really old Scotch. Yeah. We didn't know that's not how board games work.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Board games don't age. Um and yeah, so we we bought it, we paid I think 120, 100 and yeah, some crazy price for it. And then played it and it was okay. I mean, it's not a bad game, I don't think. I mean, right, it's, it's just for what, really what it is, it's okay. $30 for but it. But now it's like out on the shelf and you can buy it for like 40 bucks
0: yeah they reprinted it uh-huh. yeah but we have so that's another edition. like it's yeah
1: like
2: a first edition book by Mark Twain or something and you know, all it's mm-hmm. yeah we have the old edition it's...
1: and everybody just thinks we're dumb. I but feel like, it's... but I
2: mean it's the same version that they reprinted
1: right yeah exactly yeah.
0: yeah so like it doesn't matter I think that's a big one too is like you we have this like kind of fear of missing out on on Mm -hmm. things that we think might never reprint. Well,
3: we have this weird cycle of board game prints where games go out of print and they spike it and then they come back and print and they Mm -hmm. thing there. And if you Mm -hmm. don't realize that cycle, but like, just no, just Wingspan is going for $500 now. Wait three months and then it'll be $44. (laughs) And uh, and if you don't know that, you're going to, I don't know, be like investing in what you think is like the Picasso you know something you can heirloom to your children, but then it's gonna crash in value, and it'll be like 2008, and you'll be in around. the problem with that is, is that not every board game is gonna get a
0: reprint. Mm-hmm. There's a game called Unan that like I liked a lot in, until Cristo broke it. Um, mechanically, he just figured out a way to to win every time, so people just rushed towards that. Anyway, like I've been waiting for that to come back in print, and it hasn't. So like we don't know when there's that. Vassal's Law, right? Tom Vassal says if the game is good enough it'll get a, a, a reprinting. But I don't know if I agree with that because some games just Came out and nobody paid attention
3: to and were great and went out of print or some games were just published by z-man games like Russian railroads and Bruges And it's just like they're like asleep and no yeah wants to wake them up and they'd be like, please reprint this game, please? Yeah, and, and like also like maybe I
0: do like this game that nobody likes and so it won't get reprinted But I really like it a lot so like it's kind of hard to like know. What uh-huh. game is gonna get reprinted and like when you should pay a lot of money to or get Or in
3: what time frame? Because I mean Dune yeah. was a very it was recently getting reprinted, I guess, but that game was out of print for I wanna say a good solid twenty years. Like, right. That was a game that was sort of legendary in board game. So and how was... many people are, are cursing at the fact that they
0: finally bought Dune for two hundred bucks and then right. now they'd announced that they're gonna reprint it? Like yeah. also just the thing with, with Kanban, like I just bought that earlier this year. And they just announced, like, the Eagle Griffin edition. Like, not that it was, like, out of, it wasn't out of print when I bought it, and I, I didn't buy it for that much money. But, like, now I want that version, and, like, mm. there's now, like, three different Kanbans floating around out there. And it'll be hard
2: for you to unload your middle edition. Yeah. Yes, because
0: yeah. people are going to be like, no, I want the EV one. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, So, whereas before we were susceptible to maybe buying old games, now we might be susceptible to jumping on too early to games Mm -hmm. because we think, yeah, the FOMO, the Kickstarter is going to get get sold out and we're not going to get a chance and the hype machine makes us buy, for instance, Goo Gong, another game that I had buyer's remorse of. Positive review, positive review. I don't look that hard into it. We end up not liking it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we're more susceptible now. We're not going to ever buy Pillars of the Earth again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I and I don't hate Gugong. It's it's terrible two player. Don't play a two player. Mm-hmm. Um, but like four or five players, it's actually not I mean it's not great, but it's not terrible. Um three point six. Three point six, mm-hmm. yeah. Um but I think what I've kind of learned about from all of these experiences is sort of just to be okay with things. Mm-hmm. It's sort of uh-huh. it's sort of a exercise in Buddhism, right? Is you just kind of have to be okay with what how things have. are and oh, what you yeah. have and if it's a game that's out of print you just kind of have to be okay with it because we have you know a whole board game store worth of other games we could buy mm-hmm.
2: speaking of Buddhism we buy a lot of games second hand oh usually we meet up with people in like target parking lots and it usually works <laughs> we give them cash they give us games and the game has everything at once notably one time we bought Samurai a game by Reiner Knizia and it has a bunch of cool miniatures ten of which are Buddhist statues uh, whoever we bought the game from must have thought those were blasphemous because he had thrown those away and had simply just put in like 10, like 10 cent dimes instead. Cause I guess he thought, you know, I'm not gonna no. worship Buddha or build temples to Buddha. So what? we get this game that's supposed to be really abstract and pretty. And instead of getting no. the Buddha temples, you just have to put on like dimes. It's like it was I don't like even... literally like U.S. currency. Like yeah, yeah, like one dollar worth of dimes instead of the Buddha no, temples. No, yeah. probably took
3: those out because when he I was, was working in a board game shop, somebody bought Takiyoko, the game with the like the bamboo uh-huh. stocks, and then they came back and like, hey, this game is like missing the panda. So like, we took it back and we gave him a refund for this. And then like the next day, the owner was just like, yeah, just beware Takiyoko. People do that all the time from like online store there. They just, take, they just want the panda They victory. just want the little panda So they take victory. the panda star and you take it out and be like, "They didn't come with the panda saying please give me my name. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he um,
0: painted the... It was monks?
1: Yeah, little Buddha. Little Yeah, Buddha Buddha he maybe he like,
0: painted them so. and kept
2: them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so we God. either hated Buddha or loved Buddha, but either way, we didn't get our Buddhas. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's, it doesn't... Uh, he didn't even tell you this either. No, no. I just opened up the box. Looks like everything's there. What am yeah. I going to do? Like make it sit there and like review components? No, no, it? no. It's not. Yeah. I don't
0: think it's like your responsibility. I think it's the seller's yeah. responsibility to say it's missing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd he probably... did give
1: us free Dungeons and Dragons books, though. so yeah, yeah, there's that. Cool. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want those.
0: You should sell those and take out a couple of pages. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I feel yeah, like
3: a lot of for. board games in the modern scene are designed to make really good first impressions Yep, and then they sort of fall off like it's it's just everything want to be up for once do you guys can think of any like buyer's remorse for games where just like it was just we got a game show up it was singing and dancing and then like second play third place so is just like this is designed to be good the first play and then fall apart like second one wingspan
0: actually for me yeah like the first few plays of wingspan i was like this is really cool, and the components are really nice so then and then I started recognizing some problems with it and I had to make some um, some house rules I had to do card drafting in the beginning because the luck of the draw in the beginning hand is could really mess up your entire game so we do card drafting and then like it kind of just feels like you it's just like kind of luck of the draw is really heavy in that game and uh, and then you kind of like I mean there's a few different strategies you could Go for, but I feel like after a while I'm just playing the same game. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. hmm. hmm. will be to top deck stuff. Yeah. But I don't have buyer's remorse because I'm like a completionist too. So, like, I have all, all like, basically every Stonemeyer game except for like the weird ones, like My Little Scythe and Between Two Castles of Mad King Lugwood. Like, I don't have those like weird mashups, but
4: mm-hmm.
0: like, seeing like having all of this company's game is just like. Yeah feels good to me to see on the shelf. So I don't actually don't have buyer's remorse for that game because of the gameplay, more because if I overspent. There's another buyer's remorse that I've actually participated in as well, which is you overpay for a game to get it before it like releases to the States. Mm -hmm. So Quacks of Quillingberg came out in Europe before it came out in the United States and I paid $77 for that game. I actually paid $7 more for that game than mm-hmm. I did Wingspan, and if you see the components of Quacks of Quellingberg, it doesn't like hold up to Wingspan. But I, I was I was very hot on Wolfgang Warsh, mm-hmm. and this game looked really cool, and it was getting hype, <clears throat> so I purchased it third-party on Amazon from somebody in Europe, and I got buyer's remorse as soon as I hit that click, that buy <laughs> button. It was like, boom, I was like, why did I just pay $77 <laughs> for this? What did I do? So I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna stop this, right? Mm-hmm. But with third party, you have to email them to say like, hey, I purchased this and I decided <clears throat> the price was too high, and then I waited for a response. Two days later, they're like, we already sent it out. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Now maybe they didn't check their email and they sent it out, or maybe they just did that on purpose. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but. It came, and I was like, I, I every time I played it, it lessened the enjoyment for me because I just kept thinking, I paid $77 for this. And it's like a $35 game, $35, mm-hmm. 40 mm-hmm. tops for that game. And I almost did it with uh, Taverns of Teeth and Tiefenthal. I was like, I'm going to get it early. Yeah, okay, and we'll I was like, nope. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> I'm going to wait because I almost bought it from Europe for the same price.
2: How early is early? How much earlier did you get it?
0: Uh, actually, I think it was almost a year, yeah, like eight months. It was months. a long time. I remember yeah.
1: playing it before it came out in the yeah. stores here.
0: But, like, that's that's the question you need to ask yourself. Like, do you need to play before everyone else? Like, I'm not a part of a board game group that thinks I'm mm-hmm. cool because I have a game that, like, nobody has. Like, that's not that cool to us, mm-hmm. right?
3: Like, we're all fine with playing what we have and what's coming out right now. I almost fell into that trap there because there are a couple of exit games and unlocks that have been released uh, I think they made it to Britain now, but they haven't made it across yep. the pond. As you can see did. them on the app, right? You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And like Aww. they have the like they have the the new three pack with the new um, no side one inside of it, and like two other ones. It so looks the third su- one, super duper cool. Yeah, nice. So it looks super duper cool. So I was like, this has been. I think I want. I, it might be no. I think the exit game got released in Britain, and I think the third one for that one is available in Europe but only in French because the company makes it unlocks as a French company so, so I was like no I can't learn the entire French language and then pay it for <laughs> yeah. That might not work. <laughs> yeah
0: because yeah, the cards do have writing on them right? Yeah. So, man, yeah. Yeah, working, yeah. so imagine this this is probably not going to happen any time in the near future even though some people have speculated that it's going to happen if certain things mm. don't go the right way which is the designer board game hobby like shuts down because of the um, saturation Mm -hmm. of board games coming out so imagine a world where we start seeing the smaller companies drop off and the bigger companies and the mothership of Asmodee goes down and the last board game shop sells its last game for 50% off (laughs) and now the board game hobby has shut down completely what are we going to do We're going to play the games on our shelves, right? And we're going to turn into gamers like Matt, where we just play (laughs) these games over and over again and actually get to know them. Yeah. So maybe before we rush out and buy another game, we should focus on the games that we have and play them several times and buy and trade within the community. But at the same time, life is hard. Sometimes work is hard. And I don't think it's a bad thing to pat yourself on the back and get yourself a new game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just do some research yeah. Because that could be fun in itself, right? Oh to yeah. do research. Like I love research now that I know who I am as a gamer and I have an established board game group, I could research a game and pretty much know I'm gonna like it before I buy it. Mm-hmm. And it takes more time. I'm not getting a game a week like I was before, I'm getting more a game one or two games a month, which is still kind of a lot of intake. Mm-hmm. But it's more rewarding that way.
3: Mm-hmm. Would you say one or two you know. games a month? Because I feel like I'll be like, I haven't purchased a board game in a month, but then I'll be like, oh, wait, I purchased 20,000 card games that cost $10 each. do you count those as Because I feel like um, if a board game costs less than $15, I sort of just like don't count it. <laughs> Me I, too. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Because if I'm counting that,
0: then I buy like five games a month. Okay. It's yeah. Just like you got a burrito or whatever. So if, yeah. if you're yeah. out there
3: and you're getting into board games, try and research one board game a month and purchase... 40 to 50 card games every week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think there's something to be said for, like, keeping the hobby alive, too. I yes. mean, like yeah. we were talking about earlier, these these companies have to make money. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're people that have to put food on their tables and keep the lights on.
0: And they're indie and they're small, typically. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, the designers have to make money. So, I think... Even if it's, like, a designer that I really like and enjoy, I might forgive, like, one or two bad games. If it's a small company that I really like, I might be like, oh, okay, so you put out this one, dud, but that's okay.
2: Yeah, don't pirate, like, a copy of Indonesia because you think the board is unreadable, Mm -hmm. not naming names.
1: What I, I'm I
3: completely agree with that. I've never out. played <laughs> Indonesia, but I've eavesdropped on a lot of communications on the board, and I guess that is like a huge problem with that: is that the board is unreadable in certain places, and so if for people who really like Indonesia, that uh, like it's a I've heard it mentioned by like so many board game commenters that you print out the board. Like people have uh open on board game geek, like large images that have very clear demarcation. And it's a splatter game, so you're spending a ton of money on the board game. At least a hundred bucks, want. yeah. So that, that
1: board is garbage.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. If you're gonna make people pay a hundred dollars in your game or prestige games coming out of Holland, you should get a graphic designer. I mean, if people are really going <laughs> yes. free on board game geek, you know what I mean? Like and there's no better, like that's kind of embarrassing. Like imagine you're <laughs> charging a hundred dollars for a board game. And people for free put out better images <laughs> than the one you include in that one. Shouldn't happen. It's
0: a good point. point it's a good point. All right, I sound corrected. Those splatter games are like getting reprinted now, like crazy. It's yeah. insane. Like Bus, like Capstone Games is releasing Bus, like like their first. Nice. Their their first splatter game. Like yeah. So I don't know. Maybe wait for Indonesia.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we did. <laughs>
0: Okay guys, now it's
2: time for our top
0: three deck-building games, and we'll start
3: with Matt.
2: Alright, I usually hate deck-building games. My main complaints are you have to read like cards with like paragraphs on them from across the table <laughs> competing against somebody who already owns the game and knows the deck and you just get smashed and it's not fun.
0: Yeah, maybe we should define I,
2: it a little bit, right?
0: Yeah, we keep
1: forgetting to define.
2: There's
0: pool building, right? Deck building is included in that, and bag building is included in that. And then also, like, you consider, like, Concordia pool yeah. building as well. And kind of you're building your deck, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like, w- did you, you guys didn't put any pool building games on your list. Uh, I mean, we all stuck ooh. to deck building. Oops.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I would, you know me, I like to define things as broadly as possible. I yeah. would also include... Uh, like Mystic Veil on this one because it's the same that's basic thing. That's my number thing. three game. They yeah. just inverted it like it just said oh it's a card crap no, game. No that's that's deck building. Yeah. Like, it, yeah oh it, good. Well, great. I, yeah. I,
1: I can fix my list. No no no. The thing <laughs> is
0: is pool building there's, I don't feel like there's a lot of pool building. There's like you're either pulling chips out of the bag or yeah. chips And I just feel like it could be included in... in, I think bag building building.
1: can be included in deck building. Because if we
0: were to do a top three list of pool building games, maybe we should have done that instead. But if we did a top three on like bag building games, we'd probably have all the same list. (laughs) Or leans
2: Altiplondo, like there's that third one.
1: As I was putting my list together, so like... Do you consider it a deck builder if you get to look at your entire hand of cards and pick? Or your entire deck? Or does a deck builder what, have to have a deck that you're drawing What from? game are you talking about?
2: Games in general. I would, Spoilers. Yeah,
0: I, I could kind of guess what this is. There's a few games that do that. Um, I mean, I, I think if you're building a deck, it's It fine. has to have a deck. No, no, no. Okay. I think it's just done in a different way. There's like different innovations, okay. right? But how I think of deck building is I think of like classic deck building where you're deck uh-huh. building a deck that you're drawing from. Yeah. That's what I thought of. I probably could have put some better games on this list if I would yeah. have thought of a little bit outside of the box yeah. on that.
3: I would say deck builders is a genre that begins we have to be it has to trace its lineage back to Dominion. Or um, magic. No, because that's something you're deck building. Because deck building as a mechanic, you're building the deck within the game. That's meta deck building. But it comes from Magic, though, right? Because
0: wasn't... uh, The guy that did Dominion, he he did some cards. Yeah, he did some cards for Magic and kind of got the idea. Because in Magic, you're constructing your deck that's like a little mm -hmm. side hobby. And then you're seeing if that deck works, basically. Mm -hmm. And they took the concept of that Uh and put it like, what if that was the game? Was Mm -hmm. like... You know, mm-hmm. that's a fun thing to do for magic players is construct their deck. What if the whole game was to t- construct your deck?
3: Yeah, but I feel like deck building as a mechanic is when you're building the deck within the confines of the game. No, right. I'm saying yeah, it's nowadays. origin, though. Yeah. We go to. I you can make the first. argument. I would just argue against it in the court of board game law. And I'll call
0: <laughs> back to Reno right now and be like, what was the inspiration for deck building? Okay. I mean, it um, might have been. I don't, I don't have yeah. number.
2: Also, deck building, I want to cycle through my deck and then have to start over, right? You have to get all the way through your deck before you start again. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of bag builders probably could end up being decks and be the same. Yeah. For instance, couldn't Altiplano just have cards you cycle through and it would play the exact same? So that's
3: okay. I would say whatever you have written down, just like we'll just talk about it. It wouldn't wouldn't play the exact same
2: though,
0: right? Because a lot in deck building games, you're putting them in your discard, whereas bag building games, you're putting them right into the bag. So you could buy something right away and, and luckily yeah. pull it. Instead of in a deck building game, you wouldn't be able to pull it the next turn because it's in your discard pile.
2: Mm, I think in Altapano you have to get through everything before no. you go to your discard pile.
1: You you, no, you okay. do, okay. but when you buy a new, a new chit, it goes into your bag, not your discard oh, pile. Oh,
2: sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, so that actually is a big distinction. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay.
1: But
0: I'd be, I'm okay with like
2: whatever you guys put on your list. Go Which, ahead, my number three is Mystic Veil. Okay. Um, I like how short it is. It, it doesn't linger too long. And it's very fun to slide cards into the transparency and build combos. Um, I'm not sure there's a whole lot to the game, but like I said, that's fine because it only lasts like 20 minutes. And it's really fun to finally set up your big long engine and you have this never ending turn and you're just getting all the points. Um, also,
0: does it mitigate the luck?
2: of the draw when you can
0: construct cards, like when you, the card crafting system.
2: Maybe a little bit. Yeah. It sure feels like you're being more of a genius than you probably are, Are yeah. if you really wanted to look at it, probably you only have one sensible decision sometimes. Um, also it's the pressure luck you can do on other people's turns, the pressure luck element, you know, you can just run your deck and so there's like no downtime which is a big drawback of a lot of deck builders, is I don't care about your engine, and I don't want to sit there while you read seven cards and think about mm-hmm. it. You know, I just want to do my deck. And mm-hmm. in Mysticville, you can totally just tunnel vision your own deck and not care about other people's things. Yeah. Right.
1: And yeah, it is true with the card crafting system. As you like, slide in more traits to your card, you can make it so you don't have bad cards in your deck. But you mm-hmm. can just pull good cards.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. Mystic Veil.
3: Uh, My number three is just going to be the classic Dominion. It's the one that um, invented the deck, Dominion, and it's the one that still sets the minimum bar for being a deck builder. If you can't meet or exceed Dominion, you know, pack up your stuff, get out of town. You really (laughs) don't there. Uh, This one's there. It's still, you know, a pretty fun game to play. I've heard the best way to play it is just to get the app in your phone, which condenses the setup time and just gets everything done there. You can just play it on the toilet in 15 minutes. Which is probably true. But I like to play board games with actual cards and stuff there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, Dominion, still holding steady after 25 years or more, like, 8 years or whatever. Do you like all 18 expansions or whatever? I haven't played all 18 expansions, okay. so who knows. I'm not going to... Yeah, I have, like, I have like a thing I worked and sleeved up at my house, which is, like, the big box, where it came with 3. And then I think I bought Intrigue and got it all through. And then I kind of had vague plans of maybe buying more. But I've played that maybe, like five times and probably like honestly don't play it a lot so it's like I'm not gonna go through all and buy all the, the Dominion
0: was energy. a game that when they first I think the guy I, I think he designed it for mm-hmm. his gaming group and his gaming group only wanted to play that game so he worked on getting it published and then it ended up being the first American des Yaris winner mm. oh. and it was a game that people when they bought it they played it over and over yeah. and over oh, and yeah. over and over again and then like Jacob said, "We had this and,
3: explosion of deck building games. Uh, I think
0: Ascension came out next, and then Thunderstone.
3: And that's also one of the things where Dominion also kind of set like the arc of the game. Because when people first started playing Dominions, they reacted and did strategy from the game. And then I guess as you play, I haven't played it this much, but if you play the game dozens or hundreds of times, you sort of start to learn about the mechanics of deck builders. It's sort of a phenomenon that also happened with Magic: The Gathering, where." When the game played out, people thought about this game in a certain way. And then over months and years as the game developed, people uh, developed this understanding of what this is mm-hmm. after playing the game so much there. And it also means like, so when I jumped in the game, I played with people who played Dominion a bunch of times. and It sort of wasn't fun because they were so far along in their progression. And so I was still just kind of learning like, basic things and they were playing at this advanced level and like, doing these things. So you like getting crushed. So I kind of wish I could come back just a little bit further and started playing Dominion when it first came out. Uh,
0: my number three is Super Motherload, which we've actually Ooh. talked about on this show before. But Super Motherload is you have your own market of cards, and you have like different colors, like there's like yellow, blue, and red, um, but they're like different characters that do different things for you. And you can't buy the good one until you buy kind of the crappier one on top. So you like pull this card on top, you buy it in a certain way, and then you can start buying the good cards from that. Um, the central board is um, kind of like a minesweeper, but you see everything that's out, and you're digging, you're mining to grab certain things um, like resources to be able to buy those cards. And you could get points from the cards. You could also um, meet certain requirements that are out on different cards. And a lot of that is it's going to reward you for building your deck in a certain way, like have like two blue, two red, two yellow kind of thing.
3: Super Mundo Ghost does an interesting thing where the cards you're buying for yourself are, like, set off to the side, and they're your own personal market of cards. And so it's not like a card that's available for everyone. And they have, like, kind of asymmetric factions. Yeah, they are asymmetric, too. Yeah, it's... It's a really interesting design. And I, I
0: think this game
3: would be higher.
0: I've only played it twice. So I think... If I played it more often, I think it would probably rise to maybe even number one. I think it's that good of a game. It's that solid. Mm-hmm. It's like fun yeah. and kind of stupid what you're doing with the, the mining thing. And, it, and it, it has this interesting like abstract game, I think, that's happening where you want to get what you need to get, but you don't want to make things easier for other people. Yeah. But I like that
3: it rewards you for building your deck in a certain way, too. Super mother has that thing I like in board games where you almost oh, you always feel like you're getting something and doing something it's just like it's what can give you the most stuff but all your turns even if you're losing even if like you're in a bad situation you always kind of feel like you're doing something and you're getting stuff and like you're just like you're at the casino and just the jackpots are always paying out and money is coming out of the machines or something like that. They're right. just trying to do like a little bit better and get more stuff. So it's... Fun. Have you guys... Have you two... Some I have point no, not I, haven't. I It's a game, you know, one of our people bring in the thing there. Besides that, I don't really think I've seen it on shelves or seen people really talk about it. It's kind of a sleeper game. Yeah, um, I gained interest in this game a while ago and couldn't find
0: it anywhere. Um, I have seen it at a store. Not this store, but I think I should just probably buy it because it's mm-hmm. a great game. That's my number three, Super Mother
1: So, my number three is a bag builder rather than a deck builder, and it is Altiplano. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into the board gaming hobby after Orleans came out. And I mean, it always kind of interested me. And finally, we got to the point where we were, you know, pretty buying board games at a pretty steady pace. Um, and I wanted to get Orleans, but we found out that Altiplano was coming out. It's by the same designers, I think, and Mm -hmm. it's basically Mm -hmm. a reimplementation of it, but um, it's a little bit better. I feel like, and that's what seems to be the consensus. Yeah, I bought Orleans,
0: Orleans when it came out, and liked it, and then bought Altiplano when it came out and liked it more.
1: Yeah, I really like Altiplano um i like the that you go through your whole bag um so you have like a little discard pile that as you use your chits they go into the into a little box that then once you are done with your bag you get to dump that box. which is different in. than
2: Orleans.
0: Yeah, yeah i've heard
1: that's different my only thing is is i like the theme of Orleans better <laughs> i oh, mean
2: not me i love the llama me too oh no i love the llama <laughs> it's an alpaca
1: yeah it is an alpaca sorry because you're Come on, El- man. Like a
2: <laughs> they look so different. <laughs> you can get wool off a llama, I'm sure of it. Continue. But
1: I just, <laughs> I love the theme of, like, medieval Europe and medieval France. So I almost still want to buy Orleo just for the theme. But probably well. I
0: probably will. I like, I like Altiplano's theme better. I like the South American theme, and I like how colorful it is. <laughs> oh, it's color! It's a beautiful
1: yeah. game, and it is fun.
0: But you should try Orlean. Really because really like it, it, it is different enough to where I think you could ha- have both and be fine. And I think, and Orleon has like a like a few different expansions that also
2: a co op expansion, which it, I don't know if you guys are interested in that, but that's like kind of interesting. Hmm. But Altiplano is good game. I um, like Altiplano. We were all talking about it this week, and make sure you get the rules right your first play. There were a bunch of us who played it wrong the first time. Missed this rule or that rule and the game was never ending and we had bad opinions and luckily gave it a second chance. So like be really careful. I guess there's some pitfalls in the rule book, but like four groups independently played it way wrong the first time. And played like a three and a half hour game. be careful who you play it with. This game needs to have quick turns. Like you need to make like a hundred mini turns in the game and if there's somebody who wants to AP and take three minutes a turn, this game would be unbearable. Mm -hmm. So be careful who you play it with.
0: Oh, I guess we got it right because we played it. It was like an hour and a half. I clocked it up. Yeah, that's what it should be. Yeah,
2: I've heard five-hour horror stories of it. No way. That yeah. game should be an hour and a half only.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's my number um, three, Altiplano.
2: Uh, my number two deck-building mechanism is the mechanism in Great Western Trail. It's a small part of the game, uh, but I like it for a few different reasons. Mm. Um, in most deck-building games they really try and oversell the theme usually there's like a card called the minister of finance or something and it's like a gargoyle holding a skull and there's like a paragraph of flavor text in great western trail it's just a cow it's just (laughs) a cow eating stupid grass and he's called a jersey and that's what he does um and i just like how like it's simple all the things i do like about deck building games are present in great western trail you can call your deck you can build your deck and you can mitigate Bad draws with certificates. That's really all I want.
3: Yes. Okay.
2: I would actually argue that's a bigger
0: part of the game than you might think. Like, as far as mechanics go, it's a side mechanic. But if you don't build a cow deck at all, if you ignore deck building in it, you you're,
2: you're not, not gonna, gonna win. You're not gonna win. You certainly can, especially with the expansion. So you only with the expansion, go, right? No, you can go heavy certificates, be a builder, and not get any special cows.
3: I've only played mm-hmm. the game you know, once, Virginia. and I pretty much neglected the cows and just built a building. I you obviously can't go cowboys But I built cows. the guy in our game group who plays Great Western Trail a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's three players,
2: so I came in second. Huh. Also at the upper levels, they don't call their deck at all.
3: That's so a waste of time
0: I just don't know how to play the game very well. Because I I try to ignore the deck building aspect of it, and do other things, and come in last place. Mm-hmm. Like So I was always under the impression that you have to build a good deck in order to balance the game for yourself, have but you that's played, not true. You know. If no. you
2: get just one three cow, the math adds up, you can get up to 16, which is uh, big enough to go to Sacramento, and you can get three black discs down. So you do have to build a deck. One three cow
3: is all. So I'm not really building a deck. Yeah, you just,
2: just have to buy card. one card. Yeah.
1: You can buy one cow. Uh,
3: my number two game was Rising Sun. Um, it was a deck builder that kind of combined deck building with dominion and you could use it to build trains and build connections on a board it was just a fun game um it wasn't very complicated um yeah and it, it didn't also didn't change up the format too much for dominion but i also felt like it was a good in the age of 20 billion it's it's one of those games that almost uh i think the expansion was recently on clearance here uh for this item where it, it kind of just didn't people say it because i had that era of just a billion deck builders for the Mm -hmm. Emperor. But it was good, and it had trains, and it was fun to play, and you could play it a lot. And uh, Rising Sun... I haven't played it in quite a long time. It's been on my shelf there, but it was a fun deck builder and it had a nice board to it. it yeah, was it made a big splash when it came out. Yeah, I, never I never thought it was going to be like the game. It was like Japanese themed. You guys know there's miniatures.
2: I'm sure you guys have heard of it if you saw it. No, probably. Came out in like 2016, big box. It was expensive. Maybe if I see it. if you saw it, you would know it.
3: Oh, no. Maybe I'm thinking of the game. Hold
2: on. The game I thought was just miniatures
0: and negotiation.
2: That's Rising Sun.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was very plain. Yeah, Rising Sun is Eric Lang. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never uh, heard of the deck I didn't building know there game. Was a deck no, okay. Oh, so you're thinking, thinking of a different game. No, I went, <laughs> but maybe I'm thinking
3: the name. You know what it I is? It's called it, so Trains. Yeah. Oh, Trains. That's yeah. you know what I'm thinking of. Rising oh, Sun because it's like such a boring Sun. name that no, I'm like. No, no, like, <laughs> no.
0: there's an expansion called Rising Sun. Yes, for trains. that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and actually, I think it's a, a standalone expansion. I'm oh, almost okay. positive like you could just play it on its own. Yeah. I do like Trains. I almost put Trains on my list because yeah, it is a great game. I almost put Super game. Motherload on. And it's, I think it was one of the first games that introduced deck building with a board and your route building with your deck. And I actually think that's it's a really great mm-hmm. game. It is Dominion with a, with, a, with a board. Yeah. Because the way the market's set up where you have just piles of cards, mm-hmm. it's not like a card river or anything. Yeah, yeah it's... It's like I would play trains over Dominion. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, that's a good good one. Um, my number two is a mixture of Scrabble and Dominion. And you'd think that maybe it wouldn't oh, work, yeah. but it does. I don't like word games very mm-hmm. much, but it's paperback. Tim Fowers. Hmm. and um, it's good because like it's it doesn't it doesn't reward you the players necessarily for being fantastic spellers. It rewards them on being like good deck building players because you can you can just like you can uh you could i gosh i have it's been a while since i played but i'm pretty sure you could kind of lay down cards and just like score the cards without like making words maybe not maybe i'm wrong but anyhow i remember playing it and, and playing down cards and i'm not a fantastic speller and it didn't it didn't hurt me that bad for uh, this
3: paperback is a is a really good uh game i like own paperback there uh the designer is local to salt lake mm-hmm. um, Oh,
4: that's cool to utah have i don't you, know if
3: he lives in salt lake but okay. definitely utah yeah the surrounding area um yeah. uh the other thing i was gonna ask have you played
0: hardback no i haven't um some people say they like paperback more some
3: say like hardback yeah. more but um what does hardback do differently that's a good question. I I researched for a while, and it did seem hardback kind of address some of the shortcomings of paperback. There, that's Just what I heard. Did it too. in a different way, like where it's kind of like six in one half dozen the other, but it kind of things there. Because uh, paperback, I haven't played. I two years ago I got to could have told you this stuff, but it's like something because uh, I've played it. in Like you can kind of like get your deck kind of clogged up there. And there's ways of like cleaning that up in hardback and like mm-hmm. you can like sacrifice things to go with thing there. Um, but I was wondering if you've done that. Um,
0: yeah, but paperback was just like a fun experience. And it was one of those good surprises where I'm like, I don't like Scrabble. And uh, I'm not really big on deck
3: building games. Mm-hmm. But the combination of the two just seemed to work very well. So that's my number two. Paperback. When we played Paperback, I felt like it was, that you had this thing, it was almost like a team game. Because people would just like, I know I have a word here, and they lay it down, and then everyone kind of like come up with the optimal number of points. It was, it was weird, because no one wanted to be, like it was almost like everyone was playing as a team. I've never had that experience where like, it was hmm. almost like out there, I don't know, the same thing out there. <clears throat>
1: Okay, uh my number two, I had the hardest time picking my number two. Um, so I have settled on uh, two games that are very similar. I, for number two, did Mombasa and or Blackout Hong Kong. Um, I I can't for the life of me decide which one I like better. They're mm. so different. Uh, Blackout Hong Kong doesn't have the horrifying theming of Mombasa. Um, Mombasa is about the colonial era era in africa and that is awful but the game itself is really fun and you kind of have to look past that there's some games that might be an interesting topic <laughs> um, but i it it's a deck builder in that you are adding to your hand of cards you have to choose from your deck of cards and you're putting the cards down um you get to choose you have your whole deck you put cards down But then at the end of your turn, you're only going to pick up a certain number of cards. So you're only going to pick up a stack of cards. Um, And any other cards are left down. I I want to say I like Mombasa better just because there's that fear of being very cult of the new. Blackout Hong Kong is newer, so do I only like it because it's new and I just bought it? But Blackout does add that that piece of when you pick up, you don't pick up every turn, first of all. You only pick up when you have fewer than four cards in your hand, or four or fewer cards, and you don't have a choice in what you pick up. You only pick up your longest or your biggest stack of cards. So it adds a little bit of trickiness in figuring out, like, where am I actually going to play these cards so that I can pick it up sooner, or do I care about picking up this sooner? But then at the same time, that does add a little bit of takes out the decision of which stack do I pick up.
2: Yeah, this is my number one, so I'll talk about it here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that instead of drawing from the top, you get to choose where you put cards. It's a really fun puzzle to decide which stack to put it in. Um, just like you, I put both games in together. <laughs> um, they're an exact tie for me. For what it's worth, I thought Blackout Hong Kong was the best game at 2018. Uh, who won the Kenner Spiel again, remind me? The In 2018? The oh. fancy game. Oh, wasn't it Wingspan? Yeah, it was Wingspan. Okay, Blackout I, Hong no, Kong. 2018, 2018 or this, this year. The Wingspan. most recent one. Blackout Hong Kong probably should have been Wingspan, I think. Um, it was
0: a yeah, really the Kennerspell
3: is the the one that's the more complicated one. Yeah, the yeah, Hobby. The game. Con, the con, con game.
0: Sewers, Sewers game yeah. of the year. I'm pretty sure it was Wingspan. I yeah, think, for what it's worth, Blackout Hong Kong.
2: I think have won 2018 was uh at Queldingburg, right? Or was that the year before? Anyway. Anyway. But in both games you can burn cards off in interesting ways.
4: Mm-hmm. The yeah. display
2: isn't as luck based, it's pretty prescribed which order things are going to come out. If you wanted three bananas and somebody steals your three bananas, you can like pay one more cargo to get it.
0: That's interesting cuz I wouldn't think of Blackout Hong Kong as a deck building game, but you're oh. oh, we're playing loose
2: with the definition
0: of deck building. <laughs> but but you, because but I don't you are, like But the thing is it's like it, that system for that game probably wouldn't exist without deck building games. It mm-hmm. has the same concept of building. It's just like an innovative like thing with how you're building it and what you're
2: doing with your cards,
0: but... I think yeah.
2: Yeah, to Jacob's paradigm of like, does it have a common ancestor? If we did like a biological tree, yeah, it sure mm-hmm. shares lineage with uh, Dominion.
0: Mm-hmm. If we were to call Fister right now, it'd be like, where did this come from? Yeah,
3: you didn't just dream it up, dude. We're, I have to make a lot of phone calls this evening, but <laughs> yes, I'll get to it. Uh, my number one is going to be Quest for El Dorado. I like it. Um, a game that's by Ryaner Kinitia, and also surprising because it's it's uh, deck building, a deck genre that's been around for a little while. It's Reiner Kinitia who's been designing board games for 25 years or so, and I feel like he just kind of came up there and combined and did this deck builder game, which is just really fun. Um, game that you're combining deck building with, uh, racing towards the city of El Dorado. Um, it's a good game that has just lots of good, interesting decisions. It's got some nice tweaks on deck builder. You can just keep cards in your hand. That's kind of just an interesting thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And just the way that the cards are, are held out for that game um i feel like the the timing frame on the game is also very nice it seems to play very quickly um and come in at the nice time frame it seems like a good game that i could play quite a lot and i've enjoyed it every time i've played it um they're also coming with the deluxe edition i don't own this game because they were like they're coming out with the deluxe edition it's like oh i gotta wait for that i guess so, or maybe I should just buy one of the cheap copies that people are inevitably going to sell once the deluxe version comes yeah, out. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. the answer. So, who knows? I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's my quest number one. Quest for El Dorado.
0: What's interesting about this game is that it's one of one of the only deck building games that awards no points. There's no points. It's simply yeah. a race uh-huh. to yeah. the finish line. There's tiebreakers with those little. There's little blockades that you have to, when you're switching from one tile to another, that you have to pay certain things to get, and out of those things, like, there's numbers on them, and the highest number is going to be a tiebreaker, because it is typical for yeah. two or more people to get there in the same round, yeah. and so those things are viable to get, but mm-hmm. um, I do think that's a yeah, great game. There's a
3: central mechanic in pure deck-building games where you get your, it's like an economy versus points and you have to use your economy up to a point and then at some point switch over to, to mm-hmm. points. And I feel like that's like a central thing in deck builders. And this game doesn't have that one. You're always just trying to figure out a way that will navigate this route to Eldorado the best. And I felt that's really interesting mm-hmm. that he did that and he was able to make that work really well.
2: Mm-hmm. But it's not solitary. You block each other. You have oh, yeah. good offensive moves that park yourself in front of your neighbor, mm-hmm. and then he's blocked, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you could just pause there and
2: build your deck. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so my number one is also two games, but they're in the same. It's the same system. Yeah. It's Clank and Clank in Space. Mm-hmm. I can't decide which one I like more. Sometimes I like Clank more. Sometimes I like Clank in Space more. Clank is uh, another game that has a board and it also has a racing element because you're going down into underground and in, in regular clank to get artifacts and then come up and then if you come up all the way to the top you get like 20 more points and then you're you're safe from a dragon that's attacking um, the reason why i don't like clank sometimes is because if you play with certain people they could just go and grab the so your artifacts are like From lowest to highest, the highest ones are real down below and you're really pressing your luck. It turns into a press your luck game when you go really far down. Because if you don't make it out like halfway on the board, then you just lose all points. If you make it out to the top, you get like knocked out, but you get to keep your points. But if you make it out completely, then you get 20 more points added. So somebody could just go in, grab the lowest artifact and come right out and rush the game. And now everybody's rushing to grab something and get out. You can't get out unless you grab an artifact. So Clank in Space fixes that where you have to go in different sectors. You, it forces you to go into different mm-hmm. sectors before you can leave the game. So it adds a little bit more time, but it fixes the problem with you could play with those dumb players that want to just rush the game and <laughs> yeah. do stupid things. But but if you're playing with the right people, Clank is really great and it's a little bit quicker and it has a different theme, but I like the space theme, but I like how Clank is like a little bit more streamlined. So basically what it comes down to is like who am I with and what moon am I in? to play either Clank or Clank in, Clank in Space. But I think owning both is good. And it was um, in my time of gaming where I thought deck-building games were really cool, and so I started buying a lot of them. And then I played Clank in Space, and I mean Clank, just Clank, and it pushed me toward Euro games. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, man. like Because I was like, if they've innovated card games like this... Then how have they done regular board games? And to me, it seemed like the clear path to finding um, innovative board games was Euro games. So Clank helped me discover what kind of gamer I was. So that's my number one Clank, or Clank in Space, depending on my mood.
1: Um, My number one is Great Western Trail. Um, I think, and we've already talked about it, I think it is a brilliant deck builder. Um, I I disagree. I think that the deck building is a central aspect of the game. Um, I mean, there's definitely other things you can do, but it, to Matt's point, there's no flavor text. You don't have to read and know exactly, like, what your Jersey cow is going to do for you. Like, you mm-hmm. know what they do for you based on the fact that they're a Jersey cow and they're worth one point. Um I think adding, it has that where it adds the board game piece to it, where you are going around, you're on a board and you're racing to, uh, where are you racing to? Kansas City. Kansas City. Um, But that you're going to go to Kansas City a different number of times than everybody else, depending on how fast or slow you go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Great Western Trail is a really well-designed deck building game
2: the thing is the most important cows in that game are the two cows and then the next most are kind of like the one cows and those are the cows you start with it starts you out with the most important cows you know the ones that interact with every single neutral building
1: yeah that's true but it starts you out with the way to interact with all the neutral buildings but then you can build your own buildings where now i can discard a red three and get something super duper duper cool
0: or if your <laughs> strategy is to build your deck and deliver a bunch of awesome cows, then, yeah. it's,
2: then that's completely different. Yeah, the game. cows do have shield values, they do just score points and yeah. Like yeah, go that mm-hmm. route. You...
0: Yeah. I would argue that Great Western Trail is also a rondelle, uh-huh. it's just a weird rondelle, you're going around and around and around in this yeah, rondelle, and cool you're choosing like how far to go, like, mm-hmm. and you're building mm-hmm. your own spaces. That's why I think Great Western Trail is just a great game because it's taken several different small mechanics. Yeah. And have added it into this game that feels relatively thematic for a Euro. Mm-hmm. It does kind of for feel, sure. like I a, feel like it. A
2: cowboy. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Like sometimes oh, I definitely. want to wear a hat. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and we should.
1: And there's, you know, it's again the same thing. There's that story that you tell yourself about, you know, you're taking your herd of cattle up to Kansas City and sometimes weird things happen.
0: Where you have like one cow and you're like, can you load this on the train? <laughs> it's <laughs> one
1: cow. Yeah. Or in, uh, you bring, um, they won't you can't count multiple of the same cow so if you have like four green cows which Kansas isn't how it is works like in real nap. life but it yeah.
2: plays really well in the game yeah. yeah
1: and number one is a great western trail all
0: right that was our top three deck building games on to taking a look at carnival of monsters
3: All right, so we now have in front of us Carnival of Monsters
0: by Richard Garfield and Amigo Games has put out. It's a card drafting game that's similar to Bunny Kingdoms as far as the rules go, except you don't have a central board. It's just cards, and you're collecting monsters with land cards. That sounds familiar to probably Magic players. And what's neat about this game is that it's it's kind of like a... So there was like actual magic artists that do art for magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was three different ones came in and did the art for this game. And it was almost like this like even though Richard Garfield designed the game, I feel like Amigo was like making the game look really good for him for Richard yeah. Garfield. And if you look at the cards, mm-hmm. um they are actually like really cool
3: art, right? Yeah. Like the monsters uh-huh. look really cool and the lands even look like really so, neat. Yeah.
1: Um, Everything, yeah.
3: For thirty you said you spent thirty dollars in this game? Yeah, it's like thirty one bucks, yeah. Oof. Um for 30 dollars I feel like you get a lot of value with this There's a lot of cards, the components look nice. It's not like a super overly like Kickstartery game where you have like mm-hmm. things there. Uh, but it feels I mean that all the art looks super nice. It's an interesting game to look at. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the tokens are fine. They're just,
0: like, cardboard punch-outs in different denominations. Mm-hmm. But I like when they do different denominations in different sizes and colors.
1: And shapes.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they have different shapes, too. So that's, like, a nice aesthetic, I think. I,
1: I am interest, I'm interested to see how this plays because mm-hmm. of my, as I'm looking at the cards that we've got set out in front of us. So I'm noticing, like, different symbols, but there's no text. There's, oh, like, yeah. the name of the card.
0: The only text that are on it is on these like little uh, yeah uh, assistants that are gonna help you, but it's like a very short, very it, short paragraph. A couple seems, sentences.
1: Yeah, and it seems like it's like the it's simpler text. You don't have to and it's not very often, it seems like. Um it seems like those are not gonna be as prevalent in the deck as like, say in magic or what's that other the one that's based in Dungeons and Dragons?
3: Oh, it's the Underdark one. The under, Tyrants oh, of the Underdark.
1: I've never played it. It's a good... I, I like never it. it I probably time. should have had that on my list. I actually really like it. But there's like paragraphs of text that you have to read. Ah. This There's no text.
0: Do you guys like card drafting games?
1: Cart, deck building?
0: Card drafting.
1: Oh, I like uh, card drafting, yeah. This is card drafting. Oh, Yeah,
0: sweet.
2: they're pretty okay.
3: Yeah,
1: I like card drafting a lot.
3: Um, I don't feel like I've played a lot of card drafting game. I like Sushi Go, even though it's a super simple game. I've actually heard people compare this to Sushi Go. Um, this? Yeah, I heard someone somebody like a thing there. I it's like it's a card. I guess these are both card drafting. Yeah, games. that's
0: the only similarity. Like uh, Point Salad is actually more like Sushi Go, except the uh, card drafting is out on the table. Point salad? No, I wouldn't
3: say that. Yeah,
0: it's so it's like this almost the
3: same thing. Right? I mean, you... I don't know. We didn't talk about points selling on the podcast, and I like that game. But anyways... But yeah, card drafting could be either in your
0: hand, like Seven Wonders style, or Sushi Go, or out on the table. On the table,
3: yeah.
4: Mm,
0: So, like, some people don't think they played a lot of card drafting games until you um, tell them that that's a card drafting game Mm. as well. Like London, you wouldn't consider maybe a card drafting game, but it definitely is.
1: So, is there... Oh, I'm sorry. Is there combat? Like I'm no. looking. Okay. That's no. Um, a good sign.
0: The only player interaction is the card drafting. Sweet. You can't wreck each other except for with hate drafting.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, it looks
2: like something's got to get for me. I'm seeing a stack of loan cards in the middle of the table, so it seems like they're going to be a central mechanic. I don't think I've not liked a game that has loans in it. Four, so the right? game is
0: actually going to force you to take loans?
2: Yeah. I it's not going I mean,
0: to, like, you, you, you could only take loans when you don't have enough money, mm-hmm. and you can't pay them back.
2: They're just going to be minus five at the end of the game. Okay. But oh, then man. I haven't liked the Richard Garfield game yet. You so have one of those things, has to be. Interesting. Yeah. What okay. else has Richard Garfield done?
1: Kingdoms, well, done, done, um, oh. Magic the
0: Gathering. He's done um, actually
2: quite a few.
3: Um, he's done, and probably the best game he's done uh, that he's done is the Netrunner card game, which also actually. Game like so oh, he originally yeah, right. came up with the Magic the Gathering system back in the 90s, and then he after he did that a couple years later, he did Netrunner after that, and that was another CCG. And the iteration that I've played, and probably most of the people I've played with, is the Revival through Fantasy Flight. Which is, I guess, you should probably say, is actually influenced by the original CCG game because the original CCG game had a lot. I mean, it was basically the same system, but they kind of fixed it up and made it so it was more fine-tuned. But uh, Netrunner is a beauty of a game; it is fantastic. Unfortunately, it's out of yeah, R.I.P. With Netrunner. <laughs> yeah. You guys, I, I think I'm the only person on the table who's played it. You've I've played, played it. it. I, no, I, played I threatened. It. I threatened to play it a few times, but never, <laughs> never did it. Uh-huh.
1: I played it. It didn't do it for me. Okay. I didn't like it.
3: You, you, yeah, I don't he also He did um, King of Tokyo, King of New York. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. that's right.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think I've liked a Richard Garfield game, but I'm definitely open to trying. I mean, I'm not going to. The he part of Disney kingdom I
2: didn't like was the big central board, so if there's, mm. if we're yeah. just doing the drafting without a central board, I might like this.
3: Uh, did he do Robo Rally? So I'm looking up yes. a list
2: of
0: notable yes. games. He did Robo Rally. He did okay. Vampire the Internal Struggle. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> so <I've> <laughs> you internal guys or that? eternal
0: uh, he did some other CCGs like Battletech Dilbert, Corporate Shuffle <laughs> this is in the 90s uh, Filthy Rich, Twitch Packing Order, Star Wars the trading card game King of Tokyo, Android Netrunner oh, Ghosts okay. with three O's oh yeah that was a trick taking game um, Treasure Hunter which I actually heard good things. Yeah. It's a Queen's sure. game, Treasure Hunter. I don't know if he did that. Um, Spine Net, Bunny Kingdoms. Oh, he did Key Forge, which we should note because people were, went oh, crazy yeah, for yeah, Key, yeah. Forge. Key Forge. And Artifact.
3: I don't know that one. Uh,
0: yeah. uh, that's just the notable games that he's done. He's done several others. Um, I actually like Bunny Kingdoms, but I understand why people don't, because it's like very reliant on what cards come out and if and there's a big deck of cards like this. So if your that one spot on the board you're looking for doesn't come out. There's different ways that like the temporary camps where you can get it, but mm-hmm. other than that, like you might be searching for a card you'll never see. And this I don't I think it will solve that problem because you're you're not gonna be searching for Certain things to like that will wreck your game if you don't find them.
3: Richard Garfield notably really kind of likes randomness, and he, I think he, a lot of the games he was influenced by, because I know he's influenced by a Cosmic Encounter, has that sort of social randomness. I think that a lot of times, uh, that kind of throws Euro gamers, a little mm-hmm. bit more serious games, for a loop. Yeah, but he's not ashamed at all. I think. No, right. I don't think he has any sense of shame.
1: I think. <laughs> I'm going to like this game. I think it's going to be one that I'll play a couple of times. I don't think I need to buy it. But I'm I'm expecting to enjoy the experience.
0: I think I'll hate myself if I don't like it. Because, it's because of yeah. the 27-31 yeah. ratio, I think if I just paid thirty-one dollars, I think if it if it's not my favorite game of all time, it'd be fine, and it's fine even if it's if it's not with the card sleeves. I just I, I'm glad I get to give you guys the experience of like this nice textile yeah. feel of the cards. Um, I like the theme a yeah. lot. I like catching monsters, and I like the art on it, and I like card drafting games. So I don't see how I'll hate the game. I think I'll like it, and I think it'll, I just, I'll be fine with having it on my shelf.
3: Thanks. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I think I'll like it. Um, Richard Garfield Games, it looks like this game probably is not going to take super long. It'll be kind of light and fun, mm-hmm. so I'm sure. I don't think there's going to be uh, low risk or reward. I doubt this game will be like one of like, this game is great, and I want to run out and buy it. Um, but I think I don't think uh, this game will be bad or I'll be like this game sucks I'd be very surprised if that was my
0: impression of this game So I buy games that people won't buy that's just okay that's like my place <laughs> in the group
1: <laughs> And Matt and I just buy all the games
2: What do you what do you think Matt? Oh uh, I think you're going to end up unsleeving it Selling the sleeves and the game separately and recouping most of your money. So, you <laughs> oh, use these sleeves. this, this <laughs>
3: sleeves should always go to the best like card game in your collection. Like it's the fanciest. Yeah, sweat. it'll be like the title belt. I had. Oh, I had. It came with more sleeves than I needed because it's
0: kind of annoying because it was like. 240 cards, and I had to buy 300 card sleeves because they come in packs of 100. So I had 60 left over, and it just so happens I bought a game that needed 35 card sleeves. So I just, and it was the same size, so I just sleeved it with these, and I was like, nice. nice. And I have some left over too in the box in case they split. Uh, but you,
2: so you, you're thinking you won't like it. I'm thinking I won't. I wouldn't be surprised if I do like it though. Like I said, it has months. <laughs> okay. No, that's good. I like this mix of, like, mm-hmm. you think you'll like it, you think
3: you'll think be, okay be okay with, with it. it. I think I'll be okay with it. I think i am hoping to like it, and you're not going to like it. Probably not. Okay. I wonder how I'm this game minded. is will be as a normie game. Because if I get down to the game and say, like, oh, I could play with those people who are kind of not board gamers, but mm-hmm. this game had enough. And I tend to find that's a thing that uh, for games that you can play with sort of normie, they tend to have a little bit of randomness to them that kind of evens the playing field and like gives people yeah. rewards or punishments a little bit there, so they're, it's kind of like not quite as super heavy. As and well. I
0: will be playing this actually today after we play it with, with a normie, so I could give okay, my yeah, input on that. Awesome. So you can join us on Episode 6, where we'll actually review the game and tell you how we actually felt about it. But until then, thanks for joining us here on Cards and Cubes. We would like to thank once again, Demolition Games, located 3300 South and 85 West for letting us record here and provide us with cheap games. We'd like to thank Lindsey Johnson for composing the theme. And we would ask you to reach out to us on Cards Podcast at gmail.com. You can ask us questions, in which we might answer on the show. You could find us on Facebook and Instagram at simply Cards and Cubes. And please join us again. Thank you. Goodbye.